Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Everybody, Chad Burmeister, CEO of ScaleX.ai, and the host of Living a Better Story with me and Rich Blakeman. Rich is not here today, but Daniel Chan is, and we're going to talk to Daniel about his magic show. We're going to talk to him about where he started, where he's at, and where he's going. So, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chad, for having me. Man, it's good to have you here. We just spent a week together, almost a week, in beautiful Huntsville. Utah, and we actually got to ski at Powder Mountain. And not only is Daniel a magician, but he's also a, a darn good skier. So it was a pleasure to ski with you for a day, Daniel. Uh, yeah, Chad almost made me disappear. <laughs> well, we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Woody's run, I think at the end of the day was a little bit of the scary run where you look over the edge and, and you don't see much after you get over it. So tell us a little bit about your, your organization. Um, what, do you, what, what do you do for a living, Daniel? I am a magician and mind reader. And recently I've pivoted to the virtual meeting. I've done about 310 virtual shows and I'm an event specialist now in the virtual world. That's awesome. So you've made the pivot better and faster and in an amazing way, I think, compared to some people, uh, you've been at the bleeding edge of being able to make such a pivot. So congratulations on that. It's been, it's highly motivational to see someone who can rebound as you have. Yeah, that's a pretty amazing thing to be able to do that. We were, we were featured in Business Insider twice last year, CNBC, The Hustle, Voyage LA, and my son was on television with uh, Penn and Teller on Access uh, daily. Wow. All in one year. Well, so what we talked about, one of the exercises we did at the Living a Better Story retreat in Utah a week ago is that we looked back to our childhood and we kind of talked about when we were five and six and then 10 and 15 and so on and so forth. Tell us, what were you passionate about when you were younger, when you were maybe five, six years old? You know, what did, what were you passionate about at that age? To be honest, I don't remember much. I think I blocked out a lot of in my mind. I remember on the school selling bottle caps and I remember trading them. And I also remember selling syringes. 
but those syringes were actually just water guns that my mom used to work at the hospital and she would be able to bring these clean syringes back home that were never used, but they had to throw them away. So I would just sell these things and we would use them in the sink, pull them out and squirt, squirt each other. And that business lasted for, I think two or three days. I don't remember how many times I got to sell them. And then people, there was a, the stigma of having a clean needle or clean syringe. Uh, it just didn't feel right for them. So I was told not to sell them anymore, but that was kind of like my <laughs> entrepreneurial. That was a one journey. and done thing, but the bottle caps continued. Yeah. Interesting. I, you know, I remember now that you mention it, my dad was a doctor and he used to come home with the same thing. And it's, you know, we'd cut the tip so that it was instead of really a fine grain, you could actually make it a little wider. And when you had that thing at the pool or the hot tub, that you were a, a pretty popular kid. So, so those are some of your first memories is actually selling. So that's interesting that, you know, being a magician, obviously part of your day job is, has a little bit of selling in it as well. If you think about, you know, what, what you did then when you were younger, that selling motion, what's the secret connection that, that you could bring from then to now, right? What was that passion that, that lit you up in the morning that is now apparent in what you do for a living? Um, I remember watching David Copperfield when I was a lot younger, and I remember popping in the VHS tape and recording it. It was me who was doing that. And then I remember watching that again and again, trying to figure things out. But the connection is sometimes you don't figure it out immediately, but you'll study that pattern and you'll see it again and again. So I've seen some magic shows up to seven or eight times because it's fooled me and I want to watch it again until I figure it out because I think by repeat viewings, you can kind of get to the core of it. That's, that's amazing. I think as I look at business, successful business leaders, CEOs and founders that I talked to all of 2020, I did about 60 podcast episodes. And what I find is they find a pattern that causes things to occur like sales and then they rinse and repeat they document what the pattern is and then they're able to roll that out so there's there's a parallel in what you do with magic to what ceos do in magic when they create and build their company so that's pretty interesting parallel what about the painful memory so we all have things that happen to us in life that you know that that could be life-changing what do you have anything that sticks out to you where at the time it might have been painful, but now looking back, you just learned from it and it caused you to be the person that you are? Yeah, and I remember there was this kid who invited me over to his house with a couple of other kids. And it was the only time I think he invited me over, one of the few times he'd invite all, a lot of other kids over. And I've got these goofy ears here, as Arjun would say, <laughs> you know, like the goofiness. And I remember him locking me in his bathroom and me like kicking the door and like trying to knock down that wall um, because it was just, he was just wanted a kid to pick on to invite over. And I remember uh, another time where we're in this van on the way to a basketball game. We stop for fast food, the kids get food, I fall asleep. And I think they had the sugar packets probably and, and uh, put soda pop and they mix it together like the little that they had and then they put it in my hair 
kind of like gel, but, um, <laughs> but that was some nasty concoction. I remember crying. Um, and that was something that made me really want to prove myself. And I, in certain industries, you just have to want to prove it because magic is really competitive. So I don't know if it was attributed to that, but I always remembered wanting to show off whether it's my magic or my biceps or whatever else, I would want to not let people pick on me because I remember from fourth grade to eighth grade being picked on. Wow. That's, um, I think a lot of people can probably relate to that because, you know, I remember the kickball teams when you're a kid and, you know, before you played a lot of kickball, you're, you know, the last pick was always the most embarrassing. And I think we've probably all been through that experience. And, you know, to your point, it kind of gives you that extra fire that caused you to say, you know what, I don't want to be the last kid on be picked on the kickball team. So that's pretty cool. What about from an energy perspective, right? There's things that can drain you in life and there's things that can give you a jolt of energy. I just had a, um, I just had an energy drink myself a little while ago. So, so that may or may not be a good example, but you know, what, what gives you energy and, and what drains you? I don't, you know, I think pitching media is something that I can do. I do all the time. Now uh, I just started turning that switch on. It used to be practicing magic, but I realized practicing could only get you so far. It was get, always staying in front of people. So that, the practice of pitching media has gotten me onto, I think, seven or eight major media channels, including the Wall Street Journal, uh, BuzzFeed, and uh, some other things recently. So, it, And you um, did it yourself. I mean, I, there's a lot of PR companies out there that would love to charge, you know, $3,000 to $10,000 a month to, to get you on seven to eight shows. And, yeah, uh, and they, yeah. they had no, the thing is, they said there was no guarantees, they wanted a retainer, and they said that they had a three-month minimum, it was 2500 to 5000 I said, forget about that, let me learn this myself, and it took me probably two or three years to figure out the formula, but once I figured out the formula, I could replicate it again and again immediately, so you're paying for their experience, they can probably do it, on, I can do it for people within you know, a day or two, figuring out what the story is and who to pitch and how to pitch it. But it's that training and that thought process of developing it, distilling that to a form is an art. But I was just too cheap. If I had money, I would have had them, but I don't even know if they would have gotten me on there and I'd say, hey, this doesn't work. You know, this may not work for everyone, but I think I had that story, which was, I'm a pre- IPO PayPal employee that now is a magician. So that tagline gets all those LinkedIn opens immediately. But then I also said, hey, I lost this much in one month, but now I'm earning this much. And this is how many shows I'm doing per uh, week. So I did up to 52 shows in a week and 12 shows in a day. And when a reporter hears that, they're like, let me, <laughs> let me hear more. And would you like to see a free demo? And I promise people, hey, I'm going to be the most fun you've had and in interviews. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it because it's all about the listeners, right? And, and if you can show them that you're going to be entertaining and you're going to be valuable for the listeners, then they'll bring you on the show. What, what about what drains you? If that's what, you know, lights you up, what, what 
takes the energy out of you? Sometimes just picky clients who you convince to work with and then they end up draining you or committing to something and then realizing it's not what you realize it to be. Like, for example, like if you go into a meeting or you go into something and you're like, uh, like you go to a magic conference and you sit front and center and it ends up being boring and you're like, this sucks. Now I have to leave in Not front of everyone. So you just yeah. plan on staying sitting in the front. And sometimes you're just like, I'd rather sit in the back. And if it's not good, I can walk out because once you sit in front and center, you commit. And then you're like, I can't leave. Got it. That, that's yeah, training. That makes sense. What about if you were to think about the next chapter of your life and the next several chapters, what would you like to accomplish in life? that would change everything for you? There are so many things. And I'm not sure like what I've been go going for low hanging fruit a lot, but it, it could be like AGT, it could be uh, Penn and Teller Fullness, or it could be even opening up a restaurant. Then those are all things that are very risk and I'm risk adverse. So I'd rather bring people on, maybe investors, or consultants, because when I was becoming a magician, I knew that there was a bottom floor. I knew that if I could do four shows at 250, I would make a thousand a week, 52 weeks in a year, I'd make 50,000. It's conservative, but it's plausible because that's what a kid's magician will make. If I doubled that, I'd make a hundred thousand a year. And then I just set smart goals. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I mean, and and now you're pacing to do quite a lot more than that from our conversation. So, yeah, we are so. doing well more than that because uh, we're mainly in the corporate sector. When I'm talking about that 250, that was like two to five years in to my career, which was uh, close. I started it about 20 years ago. So now I'm working for Google, who's hired me probably about 40 times, Netflix, LinkedIn, Salesforce. My client list is from an A to Z now. Got it. While we're there, without naming company names, what I heard you say in the last week is that some of these companies have a heartbeat, right? They're the culture. It's almost as if they're a person because they kind of are, right? There's a brain, there's a left hand and a right hand. And, and, and you can tell when you go inside the body of this person called the company, you can tell the companies that are healthy and the ones that are sick. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about how you can parallel, you know, the life of a, of a human being's body and compare that to a company. I, I thought that was real curious in our conversations. Yeah. Um, the company culture stems from how much the founder cares about its people and it also is reflected in both their wages and how they compensate. For example, uh, let's just keep it positive. Airbnb um, granted some of its experienced hosts, including myself, IPO shares at the IPO price. And that is a reflection of how much they care as partners. So you're invested long-term. And a couple of other companies I've worked with have granted me equity in their company just based on me contributing, maybe doing four trade shows for them and or giving them ideas. But it also gives them the option because it leaves the door open. There's another company that tipped me $1,000. And you can tell that 
you you can tell how much they care for their vendors. And that's a reflection of, I think, how much they're going to succeed in the future, because every time something happens, you have this connection because the re reciprocity. Yeah, I love that. I remember hearing, oh, I'm going to blank on his name right now. He worked in the Bush administration and he talked about going downstairs when he parked his car and the people who would park his car, most of these politicians were kind of jerks to, to the workers who were parking the cars. Well, not this guy, right? This guy was like, look, he asked about their families. He cared about what they, what they were all about. And, and then guess what? They parked his car up front. They washed his windows every day and they treated him with respect. And he, he was like, he didn't ask for that, but he earned it by being a good person. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you, what you put out to the world and your level of positivity, it comes back in spades. I mean, it's like, a. I think Eric Donovan said it really well, the return on intention, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people think of return on investment. If I put in $10, do I get $50 out? And if you measure it that way, sometimes you might be disappointed. But if you put in the intention, then you'll usually get out way more than you put in and way more than you expect. I absolutely love that. That's a big takeaway from this weekend was the return on intention. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. So let's fast forward three years from now. It's now the end of 2024 and you're looking back and maybe, maybe we're at another living a better story retreat and who knows we're in Australia or we're in a jungle in Africa or who knows where we'll be, but you're now looking back and you say to me, Chad, I just had the most incredible three years of my life. Tell me about those years. What happened? I always leave for possibilities. I don't say it's disappointment if these don't come past, but uh, I recently did a documentary and my whole thing was someone said it's going to cost a hundred thousand to do a reality television. So I'm leaving that there. Maybe I've done a reality television or that's been picked up, or I make a full-length documentary, or I've been on Penn & Teller or AGT, but any of those would have been like a validator. I don't know if I could do all those in all three years. Those might be like things that I could do in 10 years, but I'm, I don't really live with that sort of expectation. I move toward it, but I don't want it to say, hey, if I set this, then there's a standard of failure. So I kind of, what I, what I tell my wife is I grab a whole bunch of dots. I throw them against the wall and I see what sticks and I draw the circle around it. Like, I know that that's the direction that I'm going. And then I could just, just literally paint in where the dart lands. Yeah, to me, I, that's a little know, bit easier. I love that. <laughs> then you always win. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about that. I've got this little packet it's in my other folder i was looking in my desk right now it, it has goals on it and i remember when i was in my early 20s i wrote down one year two year five year ten year goals and the ten year goals were all achieved within three years with one exception i did not buy a boat <laughs> and i still haven't bought a boat so you know 20 years ago or when i put those goals but it's amazing when you put your intention to the world and you say, hey, this is what I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, I know a person who has contact with some of those kinds of places. I know multiple people who do. So, you know, if you keep it wrapped up in a box, 
and you don't make it your intention, then when you meet people like me that make an introduction to someone like Jeff Hazlett, who knows everyone in media, or Iraq, who's out of Arizona, um, then people, you know, they, they may or may not achieve those. So I think being bold and putting those things out there are exactly what it takes. It's all about belief that it can happen. But, yeah. and I love it. I'm with you. If, if one of those three things happened, that would be a life well lived. If three for three, man, then we'll be doing more than a high five. We'll be opening a bottle of Dom Perignon on that day. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would love to um, meet Jeff Hazlett. I've never, um, uh, we can talk about that later. But one of the things is um, I'm, I'm just planning. For example, someone told me this is what's going to happen for video or um, reality television. And he told me the cost of it. And I just wrote it down. Then I showed everyone just on Facebook a couple of days ago. I said, this is what they told me. I filmed over two days. This is a documentary that we had. And I filmed it on $550 budget. Imagine what I can do with a full budget, like 20,000 or more, or even a hundred thousand. But that's kind of like my practice run to say, hey, I've been there, done that. And I just dropped in a link of the documentary that just won um, a film, one film festival. And I have, I have to hear back from five more. I've got rejected from one, 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 and I have five more um, that we have awards probably hopefully coming. Nice. I met the producer of this documentary called Liberty Lockdown. It's a, okay. it's a release on Vimeo. And it talked about, you know, at, in the middle of COVID, how a lot of companies were just shut down from doing their businesses. And um, he interviews people and it's so high end that this guy would be an interesting person for you to talk to. Um, you know, he's always looking, he's actually doing a project, a documentary on the Gavin Newsom situation going on right now. And he has all the behind the scenes footage of the campaign that's going on to, to remove him from office. <laughs> so he, this, this is a very interesting producer who's quite, who's quite good. Okay. Next question. What are you tolerating in your business right now? right? Sometimes we all leave the squeaky wheel because it's easy to leave. Is there anything that you say, yeah, I'm tolerating that? Sometimes I say it's good enough and I just like take on lots. You know, like what um, Arjun said is an if you make a, a small change, sometimes depending on where it is on the curve, you're making a big gain. So you have to go further and further that down that journey to that perfection point where you're getting that small push and big game. And I think a lot of times I'm saying yes to a lot of things mm, as I'm yeah, tense. Right. Like in the beginning, I said yes to a lot of podcasts that I didn't even know. And I was like, I'm just going to go out there and do it. And it, it feels like you're grinding the wheels versus hitting the ones that would really make the difference because of a, a little bit of timidity. I'm just kind of doing the at bats a little bit more conservative. Sure. Right. Like how many listeners do you have? Qualify them as much as they're qualifying you, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I enjoy it so much. I, to me, I'm like, I sometimes say, oh, it's okay. I'm going to do this. Or, and then I end up giving consulting on the back end and just helping out and just building relationships because I feel that something, there's something to be said about that. Yeah. No doubt about it. What, what bores you? My wife says it's your talking. <laughs> 
because I tend to fall asleep. Just yesterday, I fell asleep in the car when she was talking to me on the way home from the airport. I was like, you woke me up. And then sometimes at night, literally my head hits the pillow and I fall straight asleep. Like literally she's talking to me mid-sentence. She's, we're t- I, I spoke one word just a couple seconds ago and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so that's what she says, but to be honest, it, I don't get bored easily because once I'm bored, I'm, I'm typically already out. I, ha- I have that freedom. No one's forcing me to do anything. So, yeah, got it. Uh, what, what do you think's working well in your business and, and what, what would you like to improve upon? I think you kind of already hit a little bit on it, but slight variation of the question. Yeah. My Google ad spend, the return on investment, I'm not sure if it's really coming through. There was like one day recently I turned something on and I think I spent over $1,500 on that, which is not normal. I typically go between, you know, nothing to maybe a hundred, 150, depending on where I'm going. So I spent it and I didn't see anything come back on that day. Like I expected like a phone or a metrics in it. I just guess it was a lot of impressions. So I, yeah. I think it's a Google ad spend. Yeah, got it. Good one. Um, question number 12, and this is almost the last question. What role does faith play in your journey? It, it, we walk by faith and we, we don't see what's ahead of us. I don't know how strong it is sometimes because sometimes I'm thinking, oh, I've got to do this myself versus rely on grace. And the, the role that at that play sometimes, like I remember in the beginning of the pandemic, I was, had very little faith because I woke up at five and I went to sleep at two and I just ground the wheels instead of, you know, trusting in God. I just was like, I got to do this myself, you know, and sometimes you're full in, sometimes you're you don't know what you're like, where are you, God? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you sure had faith on Woody's run at the end of the day when we said, Hey, that's the only way to get to the next mountain. And I guarded my, I remember guarding my stuff. I was thinking certain things in my head, but I, I just did not say anything. I was just guarding my mouth. I was just like, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to get scared and I don't want to. <laughs> There are certain things I wanted to say. <laughs> well, you know, the, the biggest thing that I shared with the group last week is what I just went through with my son. And I was putting together a PowerPoint presentation earlier this morning to articulate that because at some point I really want to walk a group through the level of testing that that gives you. And, you know, the, the long and the short of it is we got a phone call at 630 at night that said, hey, mom, I've been in a car accident. And my wife goes, a car accident? And he said, no, no, a cooking accident. Oh. And so you you wonder, like, did you cut off a tip of a finger? Did you burn your thumb? Like, okay. And he's like, no, mom, I burned half of my face off. And so a lot of people could go, immediately, okay, you know, what's like, what's next? And believe me, you have a lot of pictures in your mind, but that we had the faith all the way through it. And what's wild is at the end of two weeks, he's at our house now and we played cards with him last night on our poker table. And he's got a little nick on his nose 
a little bit of redness under his eyes and a little pinkness on his face. But all you would think is that he was in like a little bit of a scuffle with somebody and maybe in the sun for too long. And if you would have seen him a week ago, it would have been like, what in the world did happen to you? And so it does remind us that having faith in the journey, it, it gets us through. And you have proven to the world that COVID can hit you. You're running all these events live and you have to pivot to virtual. How many live events did you do per year before COVID hit? Uh, I don't even know. It was 250 to maybe 350 a year. 250 to 350 a year. Your income's in the several hundred thousand dollar range. And then you went, what well, the first month that you, that you were in transition, what did you go to? I mean, you probably did zero events in one month or what was the number you did in a month? It was like free events. And uh, I did, um, this was the last article that hit on CNBC. And this was the first article that hit. So that was the bookend. You know, when we talk about bookend with what Arjun was saying, the first one was I lost 8K in one week. And that's not a good story. In fact, like my wife and family were like, what are you doing telling everyone that you lost money? I'm like, well, I'm, it's getting on this media cycle. And then I could tell the next reporter, hey, this happened. And then after that, it was, um, you know, Business Insider and then Voyage LA. And those were all things that just came through kind of like in order. And these things, it, you, you just got to accept the good and the bad. But if the transparency that you give to it, sometimes it allows you to tell that story and get better at pitching media. Most people are like, I would not do A, but if you did not do A about the 8K in one week loss, you're not gonna get B, C, or D because that was the opening the door. And, okay. and people I've been telling to, hey, do this as a media. They're like, no, I'm not gonna do this. I would do any of these that you've done, but they didn't realize that there was not, that media coverage would not have happened because I would put these in LinkedIn. And I said, you want to see what, how, how it's changed with LinkedIn. There's only so many characters to have the credibility of CNBC cover me and say, Hey, I lost 8k as featured in this article. Can I tell you what's different? Can I tell you how much more I'm making now? But most people just turned that down. They said, we're not doing that. And I see a lot of guys struggling because they thought that was too embarrassing and they're still stuck in the mud when, when this actually helped. Me. Right. So be authentic, share your authentic self. So think about this. I've seen Lance Burton live. I've seen David Copperfield live more than once, probably three times. I saw the guy at Luxor, Chris Angel, yep. who floats above the Luxor hotel. Um, I love magic. Mm. And, and so I've named six or seven. I just saw another guy, the guy who was always on the Vegas show, um, you know, years ago on New Year's and he was always in Vegas and he would do the tricks, a lot of card tricks. So, but Matt there's Frankel? only, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. There's only one of one Daniel Chan. If you were to leave our audience with the, the cliff note, you know, what's the one, what's the one of one of Daniel Chan magic show? Uh, right now it's some virtual things. So, um, I'll show that to you. So you're the virtual, you are the best virtual magician in the world. I would comfortably make that statement at this 
place and time, Daniel Chan is the number one virtual magician, magician in the world. And if I say it, then it must be true. <laughs> you're muted. You're muted. Yeah. Uh, so let me try something with you real quick. Um, I want to ask you if you can help me right here. Uh, I'm going to leave this card that's clipped here. And um, just, we're just going to do this right here. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to think about your intuition. There is a card right here. What card do you sense this to be? And it's not the king because a lot of the guys end up picking a king. Uh, what card do you sense it to be? It's funny because I was originally thinking king, but it changed for me into a jack. It, a jack. And um, a lot of people think of the, like, what jack are you thinking of right now? Spades. The jack of spades. How confident were you that this is a jack of spades? It was between that and an ace of spades. So it's a blackjack regardless. <laughs> yeah. If there were two cards, it would be a blackjack. If you look a little bit closer, you can see something right here. What do you see? I see the jack right there. And under that? Jack of spades. So that, of course, means it's a jack of spades. <laughs> and that, my friends, for anyone listening on the podcast without the video, he did it. And I was just looking at a card and it just transformed into the jack of spades. For those who saw it, you can see more of it if you visit. What's your website, Daniel? A millionairesmentalist.com. Millionaire, a millionaire's mentalist? Millionaires. Millionairesmentalist.com. I'll put it in the show notes. Dan Chan, the magic man. And by the way, his family has equal levels of talent, his son, his wife. And so if you hear this episode, when you watch it, if you know someone who knows someone, let's get Dan Chan on AGT. Let's get him his own show. He's worthy of it. I promise you that you'll love his show and you'll love Daniel Chan, the magician man. Thank All right, you. everybody. Thank you for joining today. It was a pleasure having you back on the show, show number one. And uh, I'm so happy you came last week to Utah. Daniel, it's a really pleasure getting to know you. And I can't wait to see you looking back on three years at all the accomplishments that you've had over three years. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.